0: It's called the Chinese rule three and 10, right? So systems break essentially every time you triple them. Welcome to the game where we talk about how to get more customers, how to make more per customer and how to keep them longer and the many failures and lessons we have learned along the way. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's going on everyone, Uh, happy Thursday. Hope you guys are having a a good uh, end of week-ish home stretch. Um, I had a really introspective day yesterday. Um, I kind of reached a little bit of a moment of frustration Because, you know, uh, no matter how many different ways we've cut it, um, you know, we did. uh, I I like to be transparent with our numbers because I just think it's easier uh, for everyone. And I I say these things only to provide context. It's, you know, if you take it arrogantly, then maybe this isn't the podcast for you. But, um, you know, two years ago, three years ago, we did 28 million. Uh, Last year, we did 37 million. And this year, we're on pace for, you know, right around 30 again. And I've been trying to figure out, you know, I've, I've really, over the last few years, tried to mix and match things, change offers, change price points. Um, and I have pretty much just been continuing to stay at the same level. And it's been really frustrating for me. And I know that um, in talking to different mentors of mine, the, the jump from 30 to 100, because everything, the, the jumps that happen in business are, in, it's called the Chinese rule of three and 10, right? So systems break essentially every time you triple them. Right, so at a hundred thousand a year, at three hundred thousand a year, at uh, a million a year, at three million a year, at ten million a year, at 3, uh, thirty million a year. So each of those are just threes and tens, right? And so the next big jump for us would get to you know ninety to a hundred million dollars a year. And I'm trying to figure out, or I have been trying to figure out, what is it like? What am I missing? What is my what is my problem? And so to make this hopefully tactical for everybody on here, what I want to do is break, um, is explain the beliefs that has gotten us to where we are, and I think the belief that I I have identified has been been holding me back for the next jump. And so, the four big beliefs uh, up to this point that I will consistently break for people who are, you know, at a million and trying to get to three, or at three and trying to get to 10, (coughs) or at 10 and trying to get to 30, um, is first, that they need to spend more on advertising. Um, From every single time that we have tracked data over an extended period of time, what we get back on our marketing is far greater than what we can immediately measure. And so you know, being able, being willing to go negative in the acquisition um, ultimately ends up benefiting us in the long run. And the biggest companies in the world, they're so negative on the acquisition because they're not even doing that, they brand, right? And that's such a concept that earlier on in my career, I was like, that's such horseshit." And I was like, well, you know, they make a lot more money than you, so maybe they're smarter than you want. Um, but they fundamentally just know that the more dollars, the more awareness they spread about their brand, <clears throat> the more ends up coming back to them, right? And so we've seen this time and again, I mean, we spent a very small amount of money on our book funnel, for example, um, and a huge percentage of the buyers that we have um, came into that funnel, but I was actually losing a lot of money on that funnel when I ran it. And so we may end up starting that back over again because once people saw it and then spent a little bit more time and consumed the value, they were like, wow, these guys are they're really good at this, right? Um, maybe I will work with them, but it wasn't immediately measurable, right? And so the first belief that I've had to get over and that I have to break typically for other entrepreneurs is being willing to spend more on marketing um, in general, right? Like, And usually you just need to see somebody who you perceive as a peer, Um, and this is especially true if someone started at the same time as you in business and then all of a sudden starts doing better than you, they're like, what are they doing? Uh, If you see them starting to spend a thousand a day and you're spending a hundred a day, you're like, oh my God, that's what I need to do. But it's like, for some reason, it's only when someone's like a peer of yours and then they start doing it, that all of a sudden you start doing it too, right? And it's the same thing a thousand, uh, to go to five thousand a day, and then five thousand to ten thousand a day, and ten thousand to twenty-five thousand a day. Like it, it really just comes down to breaking that belief of what's possible, even though it's literally just a number, right? And so, the first is the ad spend. The second uh, big belief is around price, right? Uh, is that, uh, and this is typically for I would say entrepreneurs that that are that are that are earlier on, um, is breaking their beliefs around price that you can charge a significant amount of money for the services that you offer and render. Um, and you'll ultimately make a lot more profit. And I go and talk about pricing a lot, um, about how you can increase pricing by 20%. And if you're running a 20% margin business, then you actually double your profit. And so profit is what precedes growth. It does not come after growth. You need profit in order to grow. I've heard so many people be like, I'm not making any profit, I'm just reinvesting in growth. That's not how it works. Like in the in the in the software world or the high growth world, there's a tremendous amount of actual profit that they then reinvest only in growth. It's not that we lowered our price so that we could get more people. That's the fallacy, right? You actually raise your price because then you have profit to invest in marketing, in hiring talent to then grow afterwards. So it's backwards, right? You don't lower the price to get more people in many circumstances, not all, not all. But in many circumstances, you raise the price, raise the margins, raise the value so that you can hire more people and then invest more in the market because you have more profit left over, right? That's the difference. The third is that you need to hire more salespeople. I cannot tell you the amount of times that I've seen that you, the the more salespeople you hire, the more money you make, and that's because salespeople also have to feed themselves. right? And so they will find ways to make more sales for you to feed themselves. And so a lot of times there's limiting beliefs around like, well, I have two salespeople. It's like, well, why don't you have five? Why don't you have 10? Right? Uh, And then it also will force you to increase your ad spend because you have to feed more people. And so sometimes it's a backwards way of doing it, but sometimes it's an easy way to get people started. All right. and the fourth is around talent, and this one is the thing that has been holding me back uh, for the last three years, and it's kind of the subject of this of this podcast, um, which is at every level uh, you need to cons- consistently increase the talent pool that is working with you, right? And so most entrepreneurs, when they start out, uh, or at least myself, you know, uh, you know, you try and do everything, right? And then you're like, no one can do it as well as you. And to be fair, you're probably right at a certain point, um, but. At one moment, you will find somebody who's better at one thing, not all things than you are, and then they can replace that function from you, right? And it's easy to say in theory, but it's hard to do in practice. And oftentimes you need to pay more people, or you need to pay more, and this is again where the profit comes in, so that you can acquire higher level talent. And so the first thing that you outsource is doing, right? So the first thing that you, that you stop doing is you outsource all of the doing of things, right? The next thing that you end up outsourcing and finding talent for is the management of the doing. Right, so it's people who are managers who have experience, who are detail oriented, uh, who can follow, who can follow and track metrics. Right, that's management. And then the next level, and so like if we're looking at this in levels, like doing is usually your first five core team. Right, that's usually the thing that's going to get you to a million. Right. Uh, once you start delegating out the management of the people, then you can get to three ish million. Right, and this is obviously a little flex that depending on the business. All right, go from three to ten million you start outsourcing the leadership of those people. And leadership is a very different skill. And so if you think about what an employee does overall, first you have individual contributors, then you have managers, and then you have leaders. And typically it's difficult for the same person to move through all three. Um, a lot of times you have to pull from the outside. And this is something that we have ma- I made a ton of mistakes on. I, I just continued to um, raise people up from in-house, right? Uh, because I thought that they, um, they would be able to make those transitions and grow as quickly as desired. And a lot of times they couldn't, right. They could make one of those jumps, but not usually two of them. Uh, and then they would break and they'd reached their level of, we'd they'd get up to their level of incompetence and they just couldn't go and they'd flounder. Right. And so we've now outsourced leadership, I would say to a, to a decent degree. I would say we're about halfway there on that one. Um, but the thing that has, stuck, that has gotten me stuck at $30 million for three years in a row, which I am so stoked about, um, and I say that sarcastically because it drives me nuts, is because I've been trying to figure this out for a really long time. Because you, know, you think it's the model, you think you need to optimize something, you think it's the ads or the copy or the message or the funnel or the price point. Like, you know, it's not an Excel problem. It's a people problem. Um, and virtually all problems in business are people problems once you crack a million $3 million dollars a year. It's all about people. Uh, which is not the sexy and fun stuff, but it's the stuff that actually scales companies, which is why when you hear these huge billionaires talk, they talk about how it wasn't them, it was really their team. And you hear that and you're like, yeah, sure, he's just saying that. Think, well, I don't think my friends and family, but the reality is that it really is the team. And when I talk to guys who have done a billion, when I talk to guys who have done 700 million, um, they, they like look at me in the eyes and they're like, you need a smarter team. You need people smarter than you. Hey guys, love that you're listening to the podcast. If you ever want to have the video version of this, which usually has more effects, more visuals, more graphs, you know, drawn out stuff, sometimes it can help hit the brain centers in different ways. You can check out my YouTube channel. It's absolutely free. Go check that out if that's what you are into. And if not, keep enjoying the show. Right? And it's it's easy to say, but it's hard to do because sometimes it's also intimidating to hire someone who's smarter than you. You're like, oh my God, you could kind of expose you. are like, this person's smarter than me." Right. And especially when it comes down to niche down expertise, right? Because the smarter you are at something, typically the deeper you've gone in it. And that's where, you know, in huge corporate America, you have specialists to do this one specific type of subset category finance, right? Um, and so what I have failed at, uh, and I will, I'm trying to rectify this, is I have not delegated out, I have not found out how to replace thinking. And so what I mean by that is not that the people on my team don't think, obviously they think, but specifically it's the attention to growth and taking initiative on information. All right. A lot of guy, a lot of people in our company take initiative. They see a problem, they take initiative. They, they, you know what I mean? They're, they're, you know, a client has an issue, they take initiative and that's what they should do, right? That's, that's what they're supposed to do. But what a CEO does, what an executive does is that they take the data in and they look at the data and they can spot proactively before a problem occurs, where a problem will occur. Right? They're able to look into the future using data and extrapolate out where a problem exists and then engage the leadership to try and figure out how we can prevent this problem from happening um, before it actually escalates. And so fundamentally, when I looked at this, because Layla, you know, being the, the kind-hearted wife that she is. It was like, you're the problem, right? Like you're the issue. Like you have not leveled up this piece. You still try and control everything, right? And at a certain, and as you grow, you always have to relinquish levels of control. And the level of control that I have not relinquished yet, and I'm now currently working on it, um, I'm not there yet, uh, is, is being able to either find someone who can think that way or can duplicate the mental thought process that I go through. And so there's two, there's two issues with this, or at least the two problems that I have right now in my business is that my data reporting is not good enough. It's not clean enough. It's still, um, still pool-based. What I mean by that is I have to go and pull the stats from things, which means that they're like, well, I don't have that stat. I have to go manually count. I'll get you that number tomorrow. And that might be two or three things that I have to take two or three different metrics, put them together to examine a problem, right? And so whenever I see a problem that's coming up, and there's there's fundamentally two different sides of the business that I look at. So hopefully you guys are cool with me breaking this down because I literally am making the training for the next person to be doing this thinking in our business is we have acquisition, big picture, and then we have fulfillment. I mean it's literally just the two big things that I break it down into because you know at a certain point you're looking at it from a 10000 uh, 10, foot overview. From an acquisition standpoint, I'm looking at. Uh, are we acquiring the number of customers that we should acquire right now to hit our growth metrics, right? And so I guess one step before that is if you have not reverse engineered what your goal is and how to achieve it, then it will never work. So right now, if you don't have a a spreadsheet that says, if I sell this many people on the front end, I'm gonna get to this level of revenue and cap out, if you don't have that on an Excel sheet and it's gonna take this many months to get there, assuming these numbers, you're never gonna get there. right? So you have to build the model first and the projections out of how long it's going to take you to, to, to get to that number. Once you have the model and you believe that the numbers, and this is where like some some experience and, and, and some scar tissue is helpful. Is like, are these numbers realistic? Not what can you do? Not what closing percentage you have? Not uh, you know how, how good the marketing is when you're running everything. Not what the retention is when you're doing one-on-one coaching with everyone. But what is, right? What, what's happening right now? And you use your existing model and you can extrapolate these numbers are good enough for growth right and i believe that if we can if we can just increase this front end then we should hit this level of total revenue and profit within 2 months 6 months 10 months etc right then once you have that model you have to stick to that model and your job as ceo or at least this is how i perceive the job to be is to hold the team accountable to that and a lot of times it's looking at the metrics consistently Pulling the metrics from them, uh, which is one of the problems I'm having is that I'm literally pulling these metrics in real time rather than having them already displayed to me every day because I bother the crap out of my team all day long trying to pull metrics from them when I really should have them already in front of me and it should be done on a weekly basis. And this is my own problem, right? This is on me. That's my fault. But once you have the data that's in front of you, on the acquisition side, I'm looking at, am I getting this number of sales? If I'm not getting this number of sales, then first I'm looking at, is it an execution problem? Is it, we have the process, we have the play, the people aren't doing their job, right? If it's an execution problem, then it's one of three things. And I know this sounds like complicated, but it's like, this is the thought process because I'm trying to document this. And this is why it's been difficult for me to do this because in my head, it sounds like this big amorphous thing when in reality, everyone follows a process whether you think you do or not, everyone follows a process if you do the same things over and over again, right? And so, first, is it an execution problem? If it's an execution problem, it's one of three things: the team isn't motivated, they're not well trained, or there's something that's unclear about communication. All right. And so, each of those things can become can be from poor leadership. They can become they can come from expectations that have not been repeated or been clear. Uh, they can come from poor training or not repeated training uh, for them in terms of what's the quality of the training we put people through, and then what do we do consistently on a daily basis to make sure that they continue to execute at that level, right? Um, and so that's that's just, is it an execution problem? All right, the next issue is like, okay, once you check all those boxes, you're like, it's not an execution problem. Like, is it a system problem, right? And that could be like, is the process that we are following not a good process? Is, is it too complex? Is it too simple? Is it leaving things out? Um, is it something that is too difficult for someone to execute on a continuous basis, right? Uh, so I'm gonna look at those pieces. And if I feel like, no, it's not, then I have to get to the to kind of the third thing, which is I need to look at, the, the marketing overall? Is the message correct, right? Is the uh, the message correct? Is the creative correct? Is the funnel and the layout correct, right? Is the process that comes after the funnel correct and makes sense? And then if all of those things check out, then it means that the product itself needs to change, right? The, the thing, the offer itself needs to change. So very rarely do you want to change the offer because it means you change the entire business, right? But those are all of the things that proceed changing the offer. And that's just on acquisition, right? Um, But all of that, so you can just reverse engineer, we should be getting this many sales, right? And if you are getting those many sales, then if we're not making the, the, the number, the revenue number that we should be making, then it means it's a back-end issue. And so then when I look at the back-end, I'm looking at the pricing, the churn, and I'm looking at the lifetime value of the customer. Now, if those metrics are not where they're supposed to be, then I again have to look into, is it an execution problem? Is it motivation? Is it skills? Is it training? No. Is it the systems that we have that support it? No. Then is it the product? Right? Is the product not delivering the result consistently enough that everyone can execute it and achieve the result that we're looking for? Right? Or that we want them to have? And so when I'm looking at the the product itself, right, um, the the breakdown there is is where we just start. We start. We run beta tests. Right. We run. We consistently run beta tests to improve. Mousetrap to improve the product that we're ultimately selling, and so I know that that seems like I just went really in depth, but it's like a very, very, very high-level gloss over. But this has been the reason that I have not cracked thirty million. Uh, I mean, I have. We did thirty-seven last year, but you know, it's still the same, the same tier of revenue, and it's because I have not been able to find someone or I have not been able to train up someone to think like that uh, in our business, and as a result, it has been still. Needing me to make those thoughts and pull that data proactively, because I have to think: if I'm not here, would would anyone look at these numbers? Would anyone predict that there's going to be a problem? Um, and I think the answer is no. I don't think I think the answer is no. I don't think anyone would do it um, in our company. And that's my fault. That's my fault. They should they should do that. And so what I'm going to be working on right now over the next two quarters is. How can I either find or create the leader that has this skill set, and then how can I create the systems that support the data dashboard and the data collection, so that that person has the school the, the tools uh, to be able to do this without constantly disrupting the team? And so um, that and this this may seem super unsexy for you. Maybe this is this is uh, not the the context of the issues that you're dealing with right now. Um, But I can tell you that it is by far the issue that I'm dealing with. And I think that there are levels to the game. I think that the quality of the people that you hire is a belief set that needs to be continually broken, right? Steve Jobs is known as being one of the best talent recruiters and motivators of all time. Um, People said he was ruthless and he was a tyrant to work for, but they always said that he just knew how to get the best out of people. And so I see that as a skill set. It's a billion dollar skill set because he never did anything and he even found people to do the thinking for him. But the one thing that he was able to do was duplicate and or find the realest players for each of those specific skill sets. And so I see that as the problem that I have encountered in my entrepreneurial journey. um, And it's been a strength of mine. And so a lot of times your biggest strength becomes one of your biggest weaknesses because it becomes difficult for you to outsource it and duplicate that skill in someone else. And so hopefully you found this valuable. it sounds kind of pie in the sky. This isn't a how do you close a credit card in 30 minutes type of podcast, but this is um, this is the real stuff. Like, This is why I haven't grown past 30, I think. And so I'm going to be doing everything I can to uh, try and do that. So lots of love. I uh, hope you guys have an amazing Thursday end of week. And hopefully it just gets you to think about the types of people that you're bringing in. It's like, does this person totally take the doing away from me? Does this person totally take the management away from me? Does this person take totally take the leadership and the culture and able to duplicate that in a team setting and lead them, motivate them, communicate to them, can they do that? If they can, then the next level after that is, can this person find data, pull it proactively, identify problems before they arise and then solve them? And I think that is the complete loop. I mean, I could be wrong, maybe there, I'm sure there's a $100 million thing that I don't know about to get to $300 million. but for right now, that is the that is the problem that I'm trying to tackle. And I think that if, if I have that next step, then it's really, that that completes the loop because if you think about it from the top this person sees the goals where we need to be sees the discrepancy identifies them beforehand and then tries to create solutions around them before those problems arise and then hands them over to the leadership leadership hands it over to the management to make sure that the things get done and are tracked accordingly and so that's the that's the deal that's where i'm at and so uh, i hope that was valuable for you and i uh Drop a like if you thought this was good. Uh, leave a review on the podcast if you enjoy these things, because um, it helps me know what type of content you guys like, and I will try and make more of that stuff. But at the end of the day, I try and just document the journey uh, that we're going through. So uh, lots of love. Uh, have an amazing day. Watch you guys see. Bye.